Hello, and welcome to another episode of Body Liberation for All. I'm your host and decolonized wellness and body image coach, Dahlia Kinsey. I help queer folks of color heal their struggles with shame and self-acceptance through nutrition and self-care so they can live the most fierce, liberated, and joyful version of their lives. Today's guest, Summer Luck, is super young, but has already lived a life more interesting than many people three times her age. In this interview, Summer really speaks to the importance of choosing your own story. So many of us have been fed a narrative that really does not serve us, that limits our experience. This is a wonderful conversation for anyone who is trying to find their voice and also for any young trans person who has not heard any sort of depth or variety in the stories that you hear about trans folks. This interview is full of so many nuggets of wisdom. Let's get right into it. Yeah, they might try to put you in a box. Tell them that you don't accept. When the world is tripping out, tell them that you love yourself. Hey, hey, smile on them. Live your life just how you like it. It's your party. Negativity is not invited. For my queer folk, my trans, people of color, let your voice be heard. Look in the mirror and say that it's time to put me first. You were born to win. Head up high with confidence. This show is for everyone. So I thank you for tuning in. Let's go. It's been crazy. Like things blowing up professionally or just dealing with COVID or? As in like my growth on TikTok. I I, I saw from the last time we spoke, I was just at 20K or something. Yeah. I I just crossed 50. (laughs) Wow. Do you think that's the magic of the algorithm or did you do something special? I don't think so. I think the thing that changed for me was my intention with TikTok. I think that's what changed or, or maybe internally that's changed. Um, because I think when I first got on TikTok, I think, like I said, it was really for the song to promote the song. And so I really was pursuing like collaborations and working with like bigger content creators. And I think, like I mentioned to you, I worked with 10 to 12 different big content creators who had like over a million or 2 million. And it only got me like 2000 followers, mm. which is great, but it wasn't like anything crazy. But then it was only when I started to use TikTok as like a place where I'm like, why don't I just use this as a platform for me to speak my mind, for me to tell stories, for me to make connections. And then that's when I start to see a lot of growth, which is very interesting because it's like the more I trust my voice, the more it's like, oh, I know what I want to do. I know what mm. I want to say. And then I can just go with it. And, and I think it's also, I guess it's also, I, I've taken inspiration from a lot of my friends who are big creators. So I have a friend called Austin Payton, and he really spearheaded this kind of format where he would talk about issues like, like female body hair or voting or political issues or anything like that. And he would make it into a one minute form content. And we collaborated and he was also like, I think this is a really good way for you to make content. And so with his encouragement, I start to think about what are topics I want to talk about. And some of it, like today, I just released a video about how I hate the word virginity because virginity is a social contract used to manipulate women into submitting into the patriarchal society because they have to be pure and their value and worth is tied to their hymen. Really? It's, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we. <laughs> 
<laughs> you say it that way. It's wow. It's beyond ridiculous. Yeah. For me, it's just like wanting to talk about things that I wish someone told me about when I was young, but also about like, how can I use this, really use this as, as a place for me to really discuss things that matter. It's the first time I've had such a big platform given to me. And I've just been thinking about the responsibility of it all, especially since people are co- making comments and DMing me being like, I'm coming out because of your song. Or I just received one of the nicest comments of someone who like I clicked on to their profile and they're like this 14 year old non-binary kid up in like Canada. And they were just like, yeah, I'm going through some social anxiety and your videos calm me down. And I'm just like, how can I uplift and hold space for them? And I, I think the thing is, especially as I'm growing, I feel like the pressure to be like very perfect, to make sure I don't say anything wrong. And I think as I've been reflecting on it, I think the best thing I can do is to tell my story and hopefully be open to criticism that comes from a a place where it's like, hey, actually, we just want our perspectives to be heard instead of just like shutting down and being like, no, only my way is right. And so I think I'm just trying to keep in mind going forward, like how I want to use my platform and what I want to do with it. That is huge. That's a lot. And I love the idea that the universe rewarded you for being yourself. When so many times when we're trying to figure out how do I get my work out there? How do I draw followers? We look for other people's advice and how many times do I post a day? We look for all this technical stuff. Times and all that. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And what you really need to do is just be yourself. How did you get to the point where you even realized you needed to trust your voice more and have you always been connected to your intuition? So I think that growing up in like a conservative Christian Asian family, like the values of being obedient, of being like, of you need to be submit, submitting to your family and all that. I think that's played a huge role. And and it's a huge reason why I didn't accept myself as a trans woman until much later in life, until I left my country and went to the States. And I think that's when I was first okay, who am I outside of all these values that have been placed on me? And I think that was the beginning of of the journey. But I think it's always just that thing of trying and then surrendering and then trying and then surrendering and trying and surrendering. But I think one thing that really helped me, especially in this journey, is I I work for a, a casting director back in England. And one of the biggest lessons she imparted to me was we were like seeing a lot of people coming in for an audition. And at the end of the day, she's like, I'm so tired of these people coming in trying to get a job. I just want them to do their job. And I think that just clicked something, right? Of just, we're trying so hard to get something, to be somewhere, to be someone when really this might continue to shift and change for me, but it feels like all people want is just to be like, what, who are you authentically and what do you have to offer in this moment? And that's all we want to see. And you don't need to be, and you don't need to pretend to be more or less than where you exactly are. And so I think a lot of what I'm trying to do now is just to be like, what are topics that authentically resonate with me right now? Because obviously I know I'm in Australia, but like a lot of my, audience are in the states and so i've really started to really think about if tiktok does continue to operate past september 13th and how can i really talk about the importance of voting 
and how can I really talk about like the importance of I know a lot of you are like maybe 8, 17, 18, or maybe somewhere if you're 14, 15, but like voting is a thing. If you have family members, talk about it, get involved. This is a big election coming up. It's like something I try to start putting into my content. I really want to empower people to vote. I think that's just like a big thing that's in the back of my head right now. And your concern for us Americans, do you think it comes more from just seeing how much damage a big Western country can do if we go totally fascist? Or is it from having lived here for so long too, and you just see, oh boy, you guys are <laughs> headed for a really bad place? Well, I think things, I, I forgot where I read it, but I think it's, it's talking about how in the last election, it was like, it was just a turnout from like the millennial, the young voting age just wasn't high. There just wasn't a lot of young voters going to vote because I think like a lot of people are like, our vote doesn't matter or Hillary was going to win, like in no way Trump was going to win. And then that wasn't the case because I think even when I went to NYU, I did have a few friends who were like, oh, what's the point in voting? I live in New York. It's a democratic state anyway. That kind of thinking, apathy is on TikTok. It feels like people do care. It feels like people are, are, are making a huge effort to be talking about issues that matter and trying to be like, how can we really engage and how can we really raise awareness? I feel like Gen Z is really showing me more than, because I think if I was 14, 15, I don't think I was even doing half of what they're trying to do. Yeah, not at all. And then I wonder too, they've been raised in such an insane environment Maybe Social that's media. why so many of them are so motivated. Just every, it feels like everything's been crazy since they were born. From <laughs> now they're living through a pandemic. They've seen the economy never. tank. Some people never <laughs> saw that. Yeah. Which is why I think, you know, Alexandra AOC is resonating so much with young people because it's like she really came from the struggle and she really understood and it's not yeah, yeah, and the way she's so direct and <laughs> just all the shade she throws in these professional environments, it's just wonderful. Like, she's just always got the facts. Because I think the thing she understands there's no time for this, like, political back and forth, pleasantries, languaging. It's just, there's a real impact. And the only way to do the work is to be honest and get into it. It's not to beat around the bush and make empty promises. But this is getting really political. <laughs> I was going to say, this is amazing. Some artists have to blow up and become huge, super, super famous. And then you slowly begin to hear about their social justice work or their other views. So I think Leonardo DiCaprio. Early days, we had no idea he cared about the environment. We didn't know yeah. he cared about anything. But here you are at a early part of your journey as an artist and you're already integrating all these parts of yourself well because i think that my existence as a trans woman is political it's <laughs> the very act of my existence is it's like forcing a lot of people to i think obviously and also you know i have to acknowledge my passing privilege which is it enabled me to exist in society for a long time to, without really confronting a lot of these issues but I think as I really embraced my identity or, or, or really when, when I stopped wanting to hide who I am, that's when I was like, oh, there's no way I can't not talk about any of these things. I can't not talk about healthcare. I can't talk, I can't not talk about 
including LGBTQ education into the system, I can't not talk about a lot of these issues that do matter so much to me because, because I don't think it's about me. I don't think having the platform is, is about me, if, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I think you're so right that just existing sometimes as a marginalized person, not sometimes, it, it, when you're actually out in the world and happy with yourself, that's a radical act. Revolution. Yeah. Yeah. And then we all know that trans women are women. So what, how do you reconcile the people who say, who are easily able to pass as cis women who say, I don't need to be involved in the activism. I am a woman. There's nothing political about what I'm doing. Or who I am. I think that I think that in a utopian world, maybe being trans wouldn't matter. But I think in this current state that we're living in, I think that's not the case. Because I think, like I mentioned to you, a, a, a couple weeks ago, back in Hollywood, three trans women of color were harassed and, and, and hate crime and all of that. And they were like very beautiful women who the only reason they got such um, huge media attention was because they were social media influencers. They were beautiful and they had all these beauty brands and whatnot. But I think it really brought into the question of it doesn't matter how beautiful you are. The moment people know you're trans, it is a threat to your safety. It can be a threat to your safety. And a huge part of that threat is because I think while, while you recognize that trans women are women, I think a lot of people don't. And I think a lot of people do think that trans women are out here like lying, deceiving, or that their identities aren't valid. You know, and I think I recently, and I recently did this video where I talked about like people making jokes about trans women. And one of it was like, there's this huge YouTuber who he made the joke that he can't identify as a tank because it's not one of the 63 gender identities. And so it's, <laughs> we know the joke. We know the joke. I, I was just really thinking about it because I think saying something is a joke is an easy out for a lot of people to be like, oh, it's a joke. It's not serious. But on a deeper level, it does matter because those jokes are an erasure of trans people and their identities and the very real struggle that they do face. I don't know if I'm answering your question. Yeah, it really makes sense. I think visibility really matters. And when people choose to pass and not be associated at all with the queer community, it doesn't help. Maybe it's better for your individual life. And so I can't say whether or not you should do it, but it doesn't help. There's so many people who need to be pushed to understand that they need to recognize everybody's humanity and respect everyone. And you pass up your opportunity to have that effect on the people around you when you're not out. The decision to not be political comes from a place of privilege. Mm. And so I think it's just whether or not some people want to recognize that privilege. Because I think it it is work. And I think it, it is just a constant recognition of, oh, like there's a lot and I don't know everything. But am I willing to learn? Am I willing to listen? Am I willing to be engaged? And I think that's just, for me, it feels like that's where it's at. Because ultimately, I think what I want to do with my life is to build communities. And and how can I build communities if I don't connect with the people that I want to connect now? That's an excellent point. And I think that's huge because when it comes to well-being, if your marginalized community is like the antidote 
to so much of the stress that we're under. And you can't benefit from that if you don't let people know who you are enough for your people to be drawn to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've been thinking about this a lot, especially when when people comment on my TikToks being like, my family doesn't accept me and I'm struggling and all that. And I'm thinking about, I recognize that because I think for me, I didn't feel safe or seen in my own conservative Christian family. And so I think the the best thing I can do is, is just to say, you are welcomed here on my page. We are going to refer and respect your pronouns and your name. And you are someone who we celebrate. And I think that's all I can do on my platform. But I hope that it can really be the space where people are like, this is a place of refuge or this is a place where I can be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. So your evolution as an artist, you've already had so many cool experiences. Let's start at the beginning. So you said that you were raised in a conservative Christian household. In what part of the world? Yeah, it was back in Hong Kong. I think the thing is, it's just like back in Hong Kong is, while it's a very metropolitan city, there are very clear social roles, gender binary, very clear what people are supposed to do. Growing up in Hong Kong, it felt like I lived also relatively sheltered in a way because I think my parents wanted to make sure that I had every best opportunity. But what that meant was that I had a very controlled schedule and I was always around people who were like me. I was always around other Chinese people of a similar social class. And so, it, you know, to be honest, I, it wasn't until I was in college that I had my first African-American friend. And then she opened my eyes to a whole world of issues that I would, would not have previously known. Was that when you moved to the States and you already had transitioned and you're living well, as yourself? Yeah. So I didn't transition until I went to New York. And, and a huge part of that was because Again, I can't transition in Hong Kong. And then for my first two years of college, I actually went to a conservative Christian college in California. And I I couldn't transition there either. (laughs) And so it wasn't until I went to New York where it felt like everything was possible, everything was open. And it was also New York when I started to perform, when I started to just get involved and I wanted to hear things. Yeah. New York was, for me, a very magical place. (laughs) They have a reputation for that. I'm always afraid of it. I've been several times to visit, but it's so overwhelming because I'm from such a small city. How big is your town? I never asked. Oh, where I am now, I I am just outside of Atlanta, but Mm -hmm. maybe 30 minutes. So we're near civilization. I don't even know what the population is. It's probably something stupid like (laughs) 16,000. And there are cows, a couple of streets over. So it's that type of place. So when I go to New York, I feel like the traffic is bananas. There's nowhere to park. I don't really know how to parallel park. Not well anyway. When I took my driving test, they didn't make me do it. In my small hometown, they literally made me drive around the block. Yeah. And I accidentally rolled through the one stop sign. And they said, oh, don't do that, baby. You got to come to a complete stop. And I said, oh, okay. And then I went back to the the office and they gave me my license. So no parallel parking, like no nothing. So I get really nervous when I have to try and park in New York. I'm like, this is a nightmare. 
but coming from Hong Kong, was New York a breeze? Because Hong Kong's way bigger. I think in terms of size, New York is bigger than Hong Kong. But in terms of like the compactness, it was very similar. Yeah, and but I also think New York also felt more diverse. But I would say that Hong Kong had a better food scene for me. Ah, oh. <laughs> I think that's controversial. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's something I really did like about Hong Kong was 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 that it did have a very good food scene. Yeah, but it really was in New York when I really found when I really started to to discover my voice. To bring it all back to your original question, I think growing up, I always knew that. While being trans is just one part of who I am, it was going to be the part of me that was going to have discrimination or hate crime or harassment or any of of that. I I I fortunately not have had too much issue being Chinese. Yeah, that's good. I was gonna ask, being in the United States, did you come across a lot of anti Chinese ness? Not really, but I also don't know if, it, if it's because I was in New York and California. But also, when I traveled to places like New Orleans or Nashville, it didn't feel like I I faced any issues. Maybe, maybe I need to go to Georgia and then. That's- <laughs> as long as you stay around, honestly, other people of color. Well, I want to believe that, but I will say I did have someone Vietnamese tell me that in high school in Georgia he was bullied by all the black kids. And I was like, oh, I didn't think that was a thing. Why why would that be the case of like minorities suppressing other minorities? Because I think that's something I've I've been wanting to have a discussion with of why would, for example, like why would someone who is African-American oppress an LGBTQ person if they've also, you know, I would love your take on it. It's very disappointing. I think when minority members oppress and harass other minority members it's usually internalized white supremacy and sometimes it's some twisted form of jealousy if that other group is more fair-skinned so i have heard some black americans say some really ridiculous things about mexican people in the united states but they are envious of their fair skin or fairer skin and imagine that they're going to get more access to privilege because they think their proximity to whiteness is closer than theirs. But it's all twisted, internalized white supremacy. But when it comes to the queer piece, I think the damage that conservative fundamental Christianity has done to the black community, it's almost hard to measure. And so much of it comes from that, from people really believing that the only way they're ever going to have access to any peace or good life is if they follow all these rules from the church. And Mm -hmm. one of the rules they were given was being queer is not something we can accept. And there are a lot of really twisted people who claim to be woke thought leaders in the black community that believe that there was no homosexuality in Africa until it was introduced by Europeans. And in fact, what Europeans introduced is homophobia. So it's like the exact opposite is true because there were kings and people in positions of power that were openly gay. And I don't even know that there was a word for it. It's just, it's just love. Love. So there doesn't need to be a separate word, but at the same time that was going on and there's historical documentation of that, people were being 
hung for buggery in the UK. So obviously went the opposite way. They brought the homophobia. So it's really sad to me though. I think the lessons that you can learn from people treating you poorly that can make you more happy and make you more kind is to never do that to someone else, is to never disrespect someone else for being who they were born to be. Yes, yes. But people are not all getting it. Not (laughs) yet. It seems like we're reaching like a critical moment of who are we as people and what what do you want to decide and who do we want to be? It's just very interesting right now, this whole... I think, yeah, this whole year has been very revealing. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's crazy because I even see in my own life a shift to where it isn't that I'm becoming anti cishet white, but I'm tired. I'm tired of consuming media that just, like, where is the rainbow? Where is the diversity? When I was growing up, the only movie I ever saw that was centered on an Asian American story was the Joy Luck Club. That's one freaking movie, like in 18 years. That was all I saw. I was like, where is everybody? I keep getting that feeling when I turn on the television. I'm like, where did everybody go? I want no part of it. Like, (laughs) I'd rather be where I can get in touch with the content creators that give that rich kaleidoscope of perspectives and just discovering how many queer artists are already out there doing beautiful things, even though they haven't been signed by massive labels where I'll hear them on the radio, which who even listens to that anymore? It's just been a beautiful experience. But all I had to do was become aware, hey, I'm only hearing one story and seek out other perspectives. But everybody's been here the whole time. Yes, yes. Isn't that the magic of it all? It's just if you're willing to open your eyes, you're like, oh, I really, oh, yeah, that's just like what I've been feeling a lot. And yeah, I don't know. TikTok for me has been a really magical place. So (laughs) fingers are crossed about what's going to happen. I know. And then I'm like, looking at what has happened to other countries before the U.S. was at this point, people have lived through really controlling regimes. And the people that didn't fit, they still survived. You can't wipe out an entire group of anybody, even though there have been many attempts all over the world. I I am confident that even if things don't go the way, I'm really hoping they will, that we will survive. And much to the chagrin of the hateful people who feel threatened because the U.S. is becoming more brown, as it used to be, that they'll eventually see you literally cannot get rid of us and you cannot stop the shift that is coming. Yeah. Do you think the shift or what's happening right now is like the last fighting breath of white supremacy being like, it feels like it is losing its grip on the U S yeah. But it, it also still, because of the same things that we're loving, technology connecting all of us and people who believe in intersectionality, technology is helping the white supremacists do a lot of mobilizing too. So yes. it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah. So what are some issues that have been on your mind as we've been stepping into COVID and now we're in the final quarter of this year? Oh. Honestly, I got a coach who specifically works with femmes of color, and she works on decolonizing your 
business and your sense of how do I have to present myself online and how do I attract customers? And I hadn't even realized how much of my beliefs about money and marketing were all tied into historical trauma around access to money and then to this very capitalistic, me, 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 individualistic way of making income because I don't see myself that way. But then so many of the rules I was trying to follow in business, they come from that kind of toxic colonized perspective of I have to prioritize myself and I'm just trying to bait my customers instead of I'm building community and I'm opening myself up and building community. Like that's a very people of color type of thing to be focused on the community and not the individual. Yeah. To be of service. It seems like that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to be of service before, but it was like of service, but how do I monetize? But it's funny. You can it will happen naturally, but it's that obsessive focus on monetization and prioritizing that as far as how much attention you put it on it over actual people. It's backwards. And we know yeah. that's how capitalism works because even just think about something basic, tobacco. It was known forever that it was really harmful, but how many bodies had to be in the heap before someone said, you really got to put a warning label on this thing. Because even though they were being of service, people love nicotine. It helps with stress. It definitely has some major health consequences, but it isn't like the customers hated it. But the lack of transparency, the Mm -hmm. service to the customer was never the priority. It was just the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah profit over people and just trying to see the little ways in which even the way people set up their sales funnels and the way they try and make you feel like, Oh, you got to make your decision right now. And they're manipulative or they might punish you for not having all your money at once, which is what it is when they say, Oh, you can break it into payments, but in the end it costs you more. You're punishing that person for not having all the money at once is that necessary? Is that what you want to do? She's just been helping us look at things like that. So I'm feeling a huge shift from that. That's beautiful. I'm excited about this year. It's been horrible and it's been amazing. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. it's been very weird. <laughs> I want to talk about your songwriting. How do you even know when you have lyrics coming up inside of you? Sure. So I think, you know, this is something for me, why songwriting feels so magical to me. It's because I think growing up, obviously, like I said, I knew that I was a minority and I knew I would be discriminated just because I'm trans, even though if it's just one part of who I am. And when I look towards the media for stories about myself or my community, the Chinese community, the queer community, the trans community, it always revolved around our trauma and pain and rejection. And I think for a long time, I thought that that was all life had in store for me because it was just like, oh, like a trans woman, our job, what are, what jobs can we do? It's like a sex worker, a prostitute. I was just like, okay, like, where's the doctor? Where's the lawyer? Where's the teacher? And also we always end up dead. <laughs> it's just, 
Mm. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it hasn't changed until like really recently. And, and so I think for me, songwriting felt very magical because it was in songwriting that I felt I had a voice. Because not only do I get to pen my story, I get to write and rewrite a new story. And I think that's where the magic is for me. Because I think my song Masterpiece, it came from a place of, I just keep seeing stories of trans women undervaluing themselves or pining over someone who doesn't want them or being like the laughing stock. And I'm just like, but that's not who I am or who I even want to be. Like, why would I want to center my story around my trauma and pain and rejection and not on the love and support and the self-actualization that I'm going to experience? I was told the purpose of all a girl is to be pretty and perfect. Do all that you can to hold on to your youth, don't let it fade. what it takes if you want a man but i refuse to think that's it tell me what's the meaning if i'm not enough for him as me because i believe in my possibilities my worth won't be defined by the man i'm with there's so much more to me masterpiece for me felt like it felt like the biggest middle finger I could give to a world who's you don't belong here you're not wanted and it's just literally me being like actually I am going to write a song about my worthiness and I'm going to write a song about me stepping into my full worth that's where songwriting feels magical to me because I've also auditioned as an actor. I really enjoy the creative process in that. It feels really different from trying to tell someone else's story versus you getting to take part in your story. Because I think when I was auditioning, and it was just like four years ago, four or five years ago, almost all the roles I also went for were also like the prostitute roles, the like mm. in prison roles, or the mistress. It was like, it was very like rare. It wasn't, it wasn't until the past two years that we had our first, like, pose. Pose was obviously right. very, you know, but I think pose also revolved around them being, like, sex workers or still in, in poverty, even though it's a very uplifting and, and amazing story. But I think it's stories. I, I don't know if you've ever watched Supergirl, which is, like, a CW show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so there's, like, the first trans superhero there. Or Laverne in the CBS show Doubt where she's like a lawyer and I think even like in Euphoria where Jules is the main character and it doesn't focus on their transition and so I think it feels like there is a shift and I am so excited about this but I think there's a shift because trans people are so tired of telling the same stories that do not reflect the reality of what's happening 
And I think that's also something. So actually, before talking to you, I was reading this Hollywood reporter that Issa Rae just did. And she was talking about how she approached the process of being like, of feeling like people expect Black women to be this and that and this and that. And she was just like, I just want to show the human moments in between. Like, you see all these white characters or white people you, you get to see them think. You get to see them wash their hands. You get to see them do some that mundane, so boring true. thing. Yeah. And she's like, I want to write stories for that. And, and she's like, that's why I wanted to call my show Insecure because, it's, yes, we are glorious and we are, when we step into our worth, but there are moments of being insecure and there are moments where we're just, and I just love that of being like, it's not one or the other. It's the full spectrum. So for me, songwriting felt like, the doorway into me exploring the full spectrum of who I am. I, I have other songs in the pipeline and I really wanted to start with Masterpiece because I think Masterpiece is like where I land, where I ended up in, but it's not where I began. But I want to be like, we're going to end in a good place, but now that we're going to be in a good place, we're going to take you on some journey. <laughs>
always have been songs that speak to you, draw you out of a funk or almost cradle you when you're having a hard time being a teenager because being a teenager is the absolute worst. No matter who you are, it seems to be the worst. And you need that guidance in the form of something beautiful that goes beyond just washing over you or going in one ear and out the other, like things you usually hear, but it almost goes into your being. And even if you're not really there yet, I think it's so helpful. It's almost like a mantra that you internalize because you're going to memorize the lyrics and say them again and again. And maybe someday soon they'll be true for you. Yeah. Even comments I've been receiving, I've been getting DMs from parents being like, I played a song for my kid when they get up and get ready. Oh, and I'm just I love like, it. You played my song to get your kids ready? So <laughs> it's just like the most magical feeling of people being like, yeah, this is on my like morning feel good playlist or all that. And it's just, I think anything that's been happening right now, it feels, it feels so unreal. Like that I'm actually making connections with all these people. I just never want to take it for granted for even one moment because it's like, these are people who are taking time out of their day to watch your content, to comment and engage with you, to listen to your song, to send you DMs, to all of that. And I'm just, I just feel so grateful because obviously I didn't have a lot of friends or ever really felt like I belong in the cell. And it feels like TikTok is just that place where people are just like, Speak your mind, we want to hear and we want to engage and we want to, like, you came out of TikTok. <laughs> and yeah, I love it there. It's just so funny, like, all the mixed, ridiculous messages people have about it in the media, like, people who aren't apparently using it. But I found more people are having conversations there than any place yeah. else. It's like a place where people actually talk to each other in the comments. And every now and then some asshole makes their way to the comments. But by and large, people are there to hear different ideas. A lot of times we're there to hear ideas that are similar to ours, but whatever. (laughs) And it just feels like you've come into a room in a party where everybody was hoping to meet somebody today. Yes. Yes. I love that feeling. Yeah. It's really sweet. I know. I'm just like smiling right now. Uh, (laughs) I almost cried when you said it it just feels so magical and you didn't always feel like you belonged or weren't really popular growing up. And that is so common. I don't know who these popular kids were. I'm just like, who they grew up to be. Oh, you know, actually something really funny happened. I actually did TikTok about this. So back when I was 16, I had this biggest crush on this like basketball player who was like super popular. And and he was very Christian, conservative. And so we were best friends at the time. Like we were really close friends. Like we would hang out, we would call each other on the phone. And eventually I, I told him I liked him. And you know, obviously in my head, all I thought was like, he will just tell me that like he didn't like me or I just thought it would just be like something like that. But he told me, because he was Christian, he was like, I, because I love you as a friend, I think you need to know this, which is that I think you're going to go to hell. Whoa. And, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I thought you were going to say something different. I thought that's going to turn into a feel-good story. 
it is going to turn into a few good story. Yeah, let me, so it was that, and then I was like shocked because I was like, I, I was like, okay, this is. And then after I got off the phone call, he sent me a text message with the Bible verses that says that I'm like, ooh, this is bad. Yeah, and so that was where we left it. And literally, I think this is serendipity. But four days ago, my roommate was playing a Chinese song because she's Chinese also. And that Chinese song was the song I would hear, I would play on repeat about him. And then so like, it just heard her playing and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard this song in years. And it just dropped me right back at being 16. And then so like the next day, I was like meeting up with one of my friends who lives in the same building. And so I was telling him like, oh yeah, I heard this song. It reminded me of this person and, and this is what happened. And then later that night, he messaged me on Facebook a decade after. No, the- not that same friend, <laughs> the basketball player. Yeah, yeah, the basketball oh. player. A decade later. Isn't that, I was just like, this is like the most magical shit. I feel like. <laughs> like what did know, he like- want to say? I hope he wasn't like just checking in, making sure you're not still going to hell. Like what? <laughs> no, he was like the most respectful. It was just like, he, he was like, hey, Summer, how are you? because of COVID and you know, I just want to check in and I've been thinking about high school and I thought of you and all that. And so I was like, I think it was just like, I knew that this was an opportunity for healing for me. And so we were messaging back and forth a little bit and basically he reached out because he was like, he wanted to meet up. And I was like, oh, why do you want to What's the purpose? What's your intention? What are you trying to do? Because obviously now I'm like protecting myself. I'm like, uh, if this is like a round two of what's about to happen. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. No, but he was just really nice and he apologized. And so we scheduled a phone call for the next day. And in the phone call, he was just the sweetest, kindest. It was just like, oh, okay. Like people... It was just like, it felt like very healing. What even felt funnier was like, obviously I think like 10% of me was like, he's gonna, he's, he probably lurked on some of my pictures. And he's he's like, in oh, love with me now. He's gonna get married. No, like 10%, just very honest, like just 10% have that. But then like 30% was maybe he's gonna tell me he's gay or bi or queer. He's probably like, he wants to come out. And he's like, let me tell that queer kid. In, um, <laughs> oh, I met somebody who came once. Let me go back. Let me think. Yeah. But no, it was just none of that. It was just more like he really just wanted to reconnect. And, and no, we're not going to get married. That's not how life works. <laughs> um, it's so funny because I did a TikTok about it. And it's really well, well received. And it's like the whole thing of just, obviously, it's not very magical. It feels like, oh, like we have a never-ending story but then mm-hmm. I think through my conversation with him what I realized was that I moved on from the 16-year-old version of me who's waiting for like this popular dude to notice and want me like I've moved on from her who she was and also what was very funny is just that like in our conversation when we we're talking uh, it hit me that if I ever went on a date with him today, I would be looking for an exit strategy by the second hour. <laughs> ah. It was just very much, like, oh, we don't get along. 
we're just different people. And I think that for me was very like, oh, I could really put this to bed. And it, it just felt very much, it felt like a very nice end to the chapter of that story. You know? Yes, was, yes. Much better. And I was concerned <laughs> first. You no, know, I'm not flying out to him. We're not. <laughs> you know, but he was just really sweet and nice. And he was, I think we just left things of being like, if we're ever in the same city, yeah, sure, let's meet up. But I just don't even think we need to. But for me, it just feels like, I don't know. I, this whole COVID lockdown situation for me has been a really spiritual journey of like speaking my voice, trusting my voice and trusting that inner guidance because my inner guidance knew it was obviously my ego and my desire was like, he's going to tell me he likes me and I can reject him now. Does that part? what I'm talking about. I absolutely resonate with that because that yeah. would have been my first, he, not to be petty, but if uh, one of my girlfriends were saying the same thing, I would be hoping that I'm like, oh girl, this is your chance to <laughs> get him. You shut him down, yeah. shut him down hard, which I know is not the enlightened way to yeah. be. Yeah. But I think like my inner voice and my inner knowing was like, this is an opportunity and there's a lesson there. And the lesson that I learned the most was, I think Obviously, like during our conversation, there was part of me that was really petty because I did mention to him, I was like, I'm a catch. Like I have people like DMing me and like I have guys. Like, With all your modeling photos, yes, I mean, really when you look at your profile, it's like, damn, she's a model. And thank then you. it's like even more mind boggling when you're like, oh, wait, she's just a regular person <laughs> who has these other talents and who happens to look like a model. Not fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're too kind. I think obviously he had a hard time struggling to talk about me. Obviously, when he's talking to me, he referred me as Summer and she, her pronouns. But I think when he was talking to me when I was back at 16, he was dead naming and misgendering me. And I think I was trying so hard to make him understand I was also a girl back then. I just, I was trying so hard to like oh. hit that point. And then my inner knowing came and it's like, and I knew what the lesson was. And the lesson was his understanding is no longer a prerequisite for me to know that I'm a woman. Oh, like I no longer That's need... huge. Yeah, because then it just shifted. And I was just, I wasn't convincing him. And I was just like, if we are to continue having a conversation, please refer to me as Summer, regardless of what time period you're talking to me about, and only refer to me using she, her pronouns. And that was the end of the conversation. That was, because especially as queer people, trans people like we're supposed to have all the answers and we're supposed to like constantly we're supposed to educate people and we're, we're supposed to educate cis straight people about who we are and i'm just like actually we don't though like your understanding or like i don't want to explain who i am in terms that you understand in order for you to validate me i don't need that all i need is you just to know who you're talking to is summer a woman, she, her pronouns, that's it. Like, end of conversation. We're not going to talk about body. We're not talking about genitals. We're not talking about any invasive questions. None of that. And, and it just feels healthier because it's just like, you wouldn't go up to some random person and be like, what's in your pants? Or you wouldn't go up to some yeah. random person and ask them to justify who they are or who they love. Or the tr I just, if someone tells It's very me, like, disrespectful and it's so draining. 
and, and I, manipulative and dismissive. Yes. And like, I feel like we give up so much of our time and so much of our lives to fighting homophobia, fighting transphobia, fighting white supremacy. You yeah. want to take a break. And so if somebody says, I'm your friend, I'm your family member, or this is a social situation and you don't have to be there, but they want you to work again and bring the hey. fight to your hangout. No. <laughs> like, hey, 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 thank you. Yeah. It's like, you want to ask questions about my genitals? You're going to have to pay me four digits. <laughs> you're gonna well, have to you me. The, were you the person who told me that you had a friend who started sending people an invoice? When yes. they what I love that idea because people love free emotional labor and they think, oh, you're the people that are oppressed, so you should want to have this conversation. No, I want to live my life. Yeah, you're just like I want to live my life, and you want to educate yourself. Like, there's a lot of resources for you, yeah. but but it's also just so tiring. Like you said, it's just I don't have the energy to like live my best life and like, do all this and try to like get you on board now. No. Right. <laughs> you no. have to prioritize. You have to prioritize. Okay. I could tell it to you forever. What is, wh- how do we find your music? And then what is one little bit of wisdom you want to give like all the galings and all of our trans babies that might be listening? Okay. So you can find my music on using my handle at summer look. It's the same on TikTok or Instagram or Spotify or YouTube. And my new song masterpiece is out. I have a new song coming out. I'm planning to roll out right now. So hopefully something will come out soon. Or I think I'm just waiting to see how TikTok continues to see, just to feel things out. I don't know if it's advice, but I think it's just you belong and you matter. And it's okay for you to trust your inner voice and to make sure you're safe. I think that's just the biggest thing. It's just like all these people commenting on my TikTok wanting to come out in an unsafe area. I was like, and I'm just like, being safe is the number one priority for me. You need to stay safe. You need to make sure that you can get yourself to somewhere that is safe because it, it, yeah. If it's not safe for you to come out, don't. And find your chosen family because they are out there. And those chosen family will help you navigate those murky murky waters as it did for me. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you share that you waited to transition until it was safe. And I do think that's important. And I think that people who are sometimes in different parts of the gay community, we forget how how massive the issue of violence against trans people is. And so maybe we're more like, come on, come on. But if it's not safe, you have to wait. Yeah, I knew that if I transitioned back home or anywhere, I might be locked away right now in some mental asylum. Maybe not, it's just like, I knew it just wasn't safe. It just wasn't safe for me. And so then for me, I just knew I need to, to get myself out of this place. I just gathered on the strength of my ancestors and everyone who was pulling on me for me, rooting on me. And yeah, and it's like a never ending journey. And I think one last thing would also be that while your physical transition is a huge milestone, it's not the only milestone in your life because your life is so many chapters. And so I think I think the thing is, especially in the media, it seems like transitioning is the only storyline trans people have. 
but you have a very fulfilled and full and beautiful life beyond your transition. It's not the end, it's just like a continuation. And that's something I really also want to bring home. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dahlia, for letting me, for interviewing me, for giving me this platform to tell my story. I really appreciate it. Have you fallen in love? Summer really is wise beyond her years. I really appreciated her emphasis on the need to still be cognizant of safety concerns because trans women continue to be the most vulnerable people in our community to violence. And I also encourage everyone who is not living a trans experience to be cognizant of that and to be looking for ways to continually magnify the voices of trans people and to remember to center your social justice work on the most vulnerable. We are not free until everyone is free. Thank you for joining me for this episode. Please check out Summer's music. Check her out on TikTok and Instagram. It's funny when we did this interview, I wasn't on Clubhouse. Now that I'm on Clubhouse, I have to say I'm spending a lot less time on TikTok. I still love a lot of the content there, but I'm finding that I'm having wonderful conversations with people on Clubhouse and that is leading to collaboration and real networking at a faster pace than what I was experiencing on TikTok. So I'm kind of obsessed with it right now. And you will be hearing from new friends from Clubhouse very soon. But either way, I totally agree with Summer. It has been amazing how many deep connections we have been able to form in the middle of a pandemic. My calendar stays busy with calls with friends that I really want to connect to that just happen to be living all over the world, which means I spend way more time on the phone now than I probably did in the 80s and 90s, which is something I did not see coming at all, but it is beautiful and I'm loving it. Remember, the only fee for the show is that you share it with others. So if you're listening on Spotify, you can share this episode straight to your stories. Whenever you like or review the show, this makes it easier for other QT BIPOC folks to find the show. I also want to let you know that I have one-on-one coaching spots available on the calendar this month. And as always, you are welcome to become a patron of the show. Everyone who's a patron of the show gets access to the Decolonized Healing Collective. You can check out the content that is available there. And that's a growing library of healing workshops from thought leaders and content creators in the BIPOC and QT BIPOC space. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you next time. Yeah, they might try to put you in a box. Tell them that you don't accept. When the world is tripping out, tell them that you love yourself. Hey, hey, smile on them. Live your life just how you like it. It's your party. Negativity is not invited for my queer folk, my trans, people of color. Let your voice be heard. Look in the mirror and say that it's time to put me first. You were born to win. Head up high with confidence. This show is for everyone. So I thank you for tuning in. Let's go.